Bridge is an acronym for books recycled to instruct, disciple, guide, and educate. We firmly believe that reading is critical for Christians to grow in their faith, and so we strive to make Bibles and gospel-based Christian books available at very affordable prices. Our purpose is to share the glorious good news of Jesus Christ through written and spoken word. We do this by providing resources and educational opportunities for people to grow in their knowledge of biblical truth so that they are equipped to share that truth with others. You can visit our website at bridgebookstexas.org where you can find our reformed podcast, Bridge Radio, where we bring on Christian authors, apologists, and scholars such as Dr. James White, Dr. John Frame, Joe Beakey, Jeff Durbin, John Sampson, and Tim Trumpert. You can find Bridge Radio on iTunes, Android, Windows, and Google Play or stream via our website. Thank you and enjoy the podcast. establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your descendants after you. Genesis 17, 7. And welcome back to another episode of Bridge Radio coming at you from the great state of Texas. Texas. Proclaiming the gospel fearlessly and faithfully. I'm your host, Julio Almad Rodriguez, as always. And today... The stars have aligned, and the planets are, are are all in its right place. We have A.W. across from me. Yes, like always. And Steve Denhartog, as always. What's up? And we have on the right of me, he hasn't been here since episode number three or four, but... Raw Lovingsworth. Yeah! Yes. And I'm super glad he's on. We, we haven't had a podcast with all four of us sitting down here. No, this is the dream team. Of, this uh, is like the Illuminati of podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah, so we're just super excited to have Raw here. Uh, he's a brother in Christ Divine who I dearly love, and uh, he's been a friend of the ministry. Uh, he's a truck driver as well, coming down, and uh, he actually helps us bring books to the ministry here. Yeah, that we awesome. huge, he's, huge blessing he's for been, us. Absolute blessing. He's just a brother that I love to talk to, and uh, and so he's going to be uh, lis- listening in on this podcast. So we're, we're glad glad to have him here. Um, so today's topic is going to be on covenant theology. I have been well, probably about last year. Um, I, I started listening to Covenant Theology on the RTS app mm-hmm. by our guest that we're going to have on today, mm-hmm. uh, and this is when I was really starting to uh, really dive into learn a little bit more deeper about my faith, and I came across this uh, this excellent resource, and so we're, we're just have such a great, great honor and privilege to have our guest on today, yes. and uh, we'll, we'll dive into that in just a second and introduce him, but if you're new to our podcast, uh, please subscribe to the platform that you're listening on. We're on iTunes, Android, Windows, Google Play, and now we have a Bridge app for our community and yeah. also for our listeners across the globe. We have articles, Bridge podcast as well. All 53 are, are up there. We have a great expositional uh, sermon series through the Gospel of, of Mark and John, as well as the Book of Galatians. And our, and our overall plan is to get a sermon series on the whole entire New Testament, yeah, Old Testament. Awesome. Um, we're taking everything in incremental steps, but uh, yeah, yeah, so you could you could also use that podcast. Uh, I'm sorry, not podcast. That yeah. app yeah. to. Uh, Register for Bible studies here at the ministry. How long has it been up again? It's probably been up for about, about a month. About a month. About a month. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Make sure you guys download that. Especially, yeah. especially the listeners from overseas. So we 
one-stop shop absolutely know, it makes yep. it a lot easier yep. so exactly exactly so um again please go listen to our podcast we've had on the world's top christian scholars theologians apologists and we love to talk everything from reformed theology to arminianism even to our culture today and and, and engage it in a in a christian worldview yeah. so uh yeah just please go check us out and i digress and let's introduce our guest for today so our guest is the chancellor and ceo of reformed theological seminary and the john e richards professor of systematic and historical theology. He was born in Greensville, South Carolina. He received his MDiv from Covenant Theology, uh, Theological Seminary, and his uh, PhD from the University of Edinburgh New College in Scotland. Check this out, guys. He's authored and co-authored and contributed to more than 35 books. Mm. And, and, and last but not least, okay, this is very important. He's a Presbyterian. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> <Okay>. Hallelujah. <laughs> so right anyway, with my mug. Yeah, yes. right with Steve's mug. He has a big old Presbyterian mug yeah, sitting does. in front of him. That thing is You could baptize babies in this baby. Amen. <laughs> Amen. We get into, get into a little bit of that right now. So uh, it's an honor and privilege to welcome onto Bridge Radio for the first time ever, uh, Dr. Legan Duncan. So thank you for coming on, brother. Well, I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, you've you've been a blessing to uh, to this ministry. Just your teachings, mm-hmm. your your books, and and so on and so forth, and especially those RTS lectures on the topic that we're going to be talking to talking about today, which is covenant uh, theology. So, um, let's go ahead and, and dive straight into it, Doctor Duncan. So, you said in one of your lectures, as a pastor, teaching on covenant theology in the church helps people put their Bibles together like nothing else. So. For those who are unfamiliar with the term uh, covenant theology, can you define it uh, and describe covenant theology for us? Yeah, uh, very quickly, um, covenant theology is the Bible's way of explaining uh, the meaning and significance of the death of Christ, the basis of our assurance in salvation, uh, what the sacraments or ordinances are for, uh, what you know? What baptism and the Lord's Supper are? What they do? What they're for? Um, it is also the Bible's way of explaining how the whole Bible story fits together. And uh, so, covenant theology is what you might call biblical biblical theology. Uh, mm-hmm. When we when when uh, theologians use the term biblical theology they don't just mean theology that is biblical although that's a good thing they they mean reading and studying the bible from a progressive historical chronological perspective where you look at how the whole story fits together from beginning to end Mm -hmm. systematic theology studies the bible topically biblical theology studies the bible um, thematically and chronologically and historically, and it and it asks how major themes are developed progressively in the history of redemption. So, if 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 biblical theology is studying the history and the development of God's plan of redemption in uh, the Bible in special revelation then covenant theology is biblical theology that pays special attention to God's covenants in his unfolding plan of salvation. Secondly, Dr. Duncan, can you talk to us a little bit about uh, 
covenant theology, why it's so important. We've got uh, basically four points that we'd like to hit. And uh, especially, I think, the, number, the first point with regards to God's assurance, God's promise of salvation. In one of your articles, you said that the whole function of the covenant, and especially of the covenant signs, is to assure us of God's favor. And so can you talk a little bit about uh, why covenant theology is so important for us in that regard? Absolutely. Um, if, if you look uh, at how covenants and covenant signs function in the Bible. Both of them serve to assure God's people of his promises and his purposes and his love towards them. So, for instance, you you go to the story of Noah's flood, and at the end of the, the whole story of the flood, when Noah and his family have come through the flood on the ark, now they're on dry land. In Genesis 9, God reiterates his promises to Noah. So Mm -hmm. he spared Noah from this worldwide destruction, and he reiterates his promises, and he makes a covenant with him, and he gives him a sign of that covenant. And the sign was the bow in the clouds, the rainbow. Mm -hmm. Uh, God calls Abraham, who was from an idolatrous family in an idolatrous country, Ur of the Chaldeans, and he calls him to be uh, his child and his disciple and the, the, the person who is the recipient of his promises, and he makes those promises to him in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. Mm-hmm. But in order to assure Abram of those promises, he he makes a covenant with him in Genesis chapter 15 to confirm those promises that he's made to him in Genesis 12, and then he gives him a covenant sign mm-hmm. in Genesis 17 uh, when uh, when uh, God uh, calls Israel out of Egypt and uh, saves Israel and makes her into a nation. Exodus 34 says that he gave Israel a sign that Israel was his people, and that sign was the Sabbath. Hmm. Uh, it was a sign to them that they were God's chosen people and, and, a, and a, a sign of his promises and purposes mm-hmm. for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, when, uh, when God saves us and uh, calls us to be uh, his own, he gives us signs of a covenant to confirm his promises and purposes for us. So baptism and the Lord's Supper are covenant signs that are given. And all of these things are meant to assure us of our salvation. It's fascinating to me, uh, as a believer living almost 4,000 years after the days of Abraham, and almost 2,000 years, 2,000 years after the days of Christ's earthly ministry, that the Bible is aware that real believers will from time to time, because of our circumstances, because of our personality, sometimes because of our weakness and sinfulness, we will doubt God's purposes and promises for us. And some of us will doubt, will will struggle with salvation, will will struggle with being assured that we really are God's child Mm -hmm. and that we really are forgiven. And it's fascinating to me that the Bible is filled with material that God wrote long before I ever had those struggles Mm. to address precisely that so that I would be assured of salvation. Mm. And the main way he does that in the Bible is with the covenants and with covenant signs. Mm -hmm. 
Awesome. I, and so how, how can a, a believer maybe who's struggling in doubt have full assurance that God will fulfill his promises? Well, one one is this. Very often when we are struggling with assurance, what we are fearful of is that our sins are too big to forgive. Mm-hmm. And uh and look, our sins are big. <laughs> you know, they, yeah. if, if we got what we deserve, we'd all be in hell. That's right. Um, and and I like to, you know, what's going on in our nation right now uh, mm-hmm. is a is a good reminder. I, I, no matter what your political views are of these mm-hmm. things, right. I've told a lot of people in the last days. Wouldn't wouldn't you hate it if everything you had ever done wrong in your high school and college mm-hmm. years was put up? <laughs> on television for seven billion people to see it yeah, on yeah. planet earth yeah, right yeah. and so i think all of us know you know if if you know if, if people really knew what we were like on the inside if people knew the things that we had thought about saying that we <laughs> never said mm-hmm. if people knew the things that we had thought that we had never done mm-hmm. uh if people knew the things that we desired to do that we never acted upon as well as things that we've done wrong that nobody else knows about or very few know about we'd all be convicted of our sins right and i think that even believers who've trusted in christ and believers who understand that christ died for them according to the gospel can struggle with that from time to time. Mm-hmm. And and the, the covenant is designed to show us, first of all, that we belong to God, not because we initiated and reached out to him first, but because he initiated towards us and reached out to us. What does John say in his little letter? We love because yeah. he first loved us. Amen. And the covenants yeah. are all about that. The covenants are, are saying long before you existed, God had a plan in this world in, for, his, for his world, and he had a plan for you, and he set his love on you before you existed. And that worked out in time through the covenants and promises that he made to his people. And the reason that you're his people is because he reached out to you in love. Mm-hmm. The second thing the covenants do is they say, look how much this cost God. Mm-hmm. You know, God, in order to save you, God gave his son. That was what was required by the covenants for your salvation. And mm-hmm. so you have to ask yourself, um, do I really think my sin is bigger than Jesus? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is, is, there, is there something out there that Jesus' death can't cover? Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so when we remember what God has done to establish this relationship which which we have with him, which we call a, a covenant relationship. Our salvation, our redemption is a covenant relationship. He's made a bond in blood with us. He has, he has brought us into union and communion with him by the blood of Christ, and, and that commitment and promise on his part will never, ever end. He loved us from the first of time. He'll mm-hmm. love us to the last. And the, the covenants remind us that he set his love on us before the foundation of the world, and then he secured that love through the death of his son. Mm. And so when you reckon with that, it gives you a new tool to fight against a lack of assurance mm-hmm. in the Christian life. Yeah. Wow. Amen. We've been doing a Bible study on uh, on Romans recently here, and uh, chapter 4 of Romans, uh, Paul speaks with regards to the faith of Abraham. And uh God's assurance to him that uh, 
his descendants are, are not only those of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who's the father of us all. And then he, uh, he says in, in, in 417, in, as it is written, a father of many nations I have made you in the presence of him whom he believed, even God who gives life to the dead and calls into being that which does not exist. It's almost, it's kind of, uh, I think, interesting that Paul includes that little excursus in there because I think it just, it goes to show that God, who is the creator, the eternal creator of this universe, is going to be true to his covenant with Abraham, you know? And Mm. so if we can rely on anyone or anything, we can certainly rely on the creator God, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And so... uh, yeah, I, I really appreciate that aspect. Amen. Yeah. And so in, in regards to some of these points that you've made in your lecture, you just touched on God's promise of salvation, more talking about the assurance. Um, there's a couple of yeah. other ones that you've mentioned, you know, wh- uh, what Jesus accomplished on the cross. Uh, if you you could just continue yeah. talking about that, because that, that's very, very yeah, important. Yeah, uh, you know, one of the things that the Bible says about Jesus' work on the cross was that he was a sacrifice. You know, the, the whole book of Hebrews is designed to make the point that Jesus' death is the real sacrifice, mm-hmm. that, the, that the Old Testament sacrifices in and of themselves were absolutely incapable of forgiving sin. In fact, the author of Hebrews says the blood of bulls and goats cannot forgive sins. Uh, and then it turns right around and says, but he... Uh, you know, his sacrifice was completely efficacious, and he was offered once for all for our salvation. And so the Bible talks about Jesus' death as a sacrifice, but many liberal theologians will attack the idea of the atoning work or of the death of Christ as a sacrifice and say, oh, that's a pagan, barbaric idea that we have to manipulate God in order to get him to love us and and in order to get from him what we want and we need to get rid of this horrible idea of sacrifice because it's it's unworthy of a christian conception of god well covenant theology comes in and says you obviously haven't read your bible very well because unlike pagan sacrifices uh the the, the fascinating thing about the bible from beginning to end is the sacrifice that god requires he himself provides and you know that's that's made that's made apparent from the time of abraham and isaac walking up mount moriah Mm -hmm. in genesis 22 all the way to the new testament that god himself provides the substitutionary sacrifice that we need and it just turns out that it's not just a ram caught in the thicket bush it's his own son Mm -hmm. so covenant theology explains how that works in such a way that you can say to people who say well this idea of sacrifice it's pagan it's barbaric it's manipulative where you're trying to get the god to do what you want you say well interestingly enough that's never how sacrifice works in the bible for believers in either the old or the new testament god himself provides the sacrifice that we need and it turns out to be his own son so far from manipulating god to love us or to give us what we want god in his love gives us what we cannot provide so that we can be with him forever in union and communion and covenant theology just explains all of that and Mm -hmm. it it unlocks 
the glory of what God does in salvation. I tell people so often you will hear even well-meaning Christians preach the cross sort of like this. Well, Jesus loved us, so he offered himself uh, in our place to spare us from the wrath of God. Uh, His Father was going to judge us and pour out his wrath on us, but loving Jesus stood in between the wrathful Father and us and saved us. Well, the Bible presents the Father's love as the impetus for his giving the Son. Think of John 3.16. It's one of the first verses that most of us memorize. And, And listen to it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So the emphasis, by the way, is not on Jesus' love there. It's on the Father's love in giving Jesus. Mm -hmm. You see the same thing in Acts 2.23. You see the same thing uh, in Romans 8.32. He who spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. Mm -hmm. How shall he not with him freely give us all things? So the picture of the cross is not Jesus getting his Father to love us. Jesus is on the cross because the Father loves us, and the Father has given him out of the greatness of his love for us so that we might be spared the wrath and the justice that we deserve. Yeah. So it's a, you know, covenant theology just helps us unlock that whole picture of what's going on in the gospel and on mm. the cross. And when people understand that, it moves them to wonder, love, and praise for the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's not just Jesus loves me, mm-hmm. this I know, for the Bible tells me. So it's the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the triune God loves me and has loved me from the foundation of the world uh, and has given his son because he loves me. So that covenant theology just helps you understand all that. So it's the, it's the Father who actually does the sending. The Son does the accomplishing the work of salvation, and the Holy Spirit applies. So they're all working together Amen. for yeah. our salvation. Yeah. Amen. So the sacraments, we talked a little bit about baptism, <laughs> baptism of babies and, yeah. and, and Steve's big old mug. Um, anyway, uh, Dr. Duncan, can you talk about that and how the sacraments show covenant theology? Yeah, uh, you know, just to, a couple of examples. One would be in, in Genesis 17, uh, Abraham has been walking with God for 50 years, and God promised him that he was going to be a father of nations and that in him all the families of the earth would be blessed. But by Genesis 17, he still does not have a child uh, by Sarah. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, they have the, he, has the, he has the child Ishmael in Genesis 16 with Hagar, Sarah's maid. And, and of course, that ends up being an unmitigated disaster in the mm-hmm. family life of Abraham. Mm-hmm. And God makes it clear that that child is not going to be the child of promise. Yeah. But, you know, lo and behold, you end up in Genesis 17, and Abraham's 100 years old, and, and Sarah's 90 years old, and God reiterates the promise to Abraham that he's going to give him a son. And Abraham is so discouraged about the possibility of having a child with Sarah, he says, oh, Lord, that, oh, that, oh, that Ishmael might be blessed. You know, he's given up hope on God actually giving him what God had promised all those years ago Mm. in Genesis 12. And it's in that context 
that he gives him the sign of circumcision. Mm -hmm. And uh, not to be indelicate on a program that will be listened to by both men and women, (laughs) you may wonder why in the world did God ever come up with a sign of circumcision? Mm -hmm. That is a really weird sign. Well, it's because the promise was that Abraham's seed would be blessed. Mm -hmm. So God puts the sign on the male body through the reproductive organ that is used to bring babies into this world to just say to Abraham, I I told you I was going to give you a son. I'm going to give you a son. So how does that sign of circumcision function? It serves to strengthen Abraham's faith. It serves to assure him of God's promises. It, it serves to give him a reason to trust in God's word. And all of those things are necessary to live the believing life. Well, interestingly, baptism, we're told, explicitly, we're told, by Peter in Acts chapter 2, is the sign that the Abrahamic promise has come on both Jews and Gentiles who believe on Christ alone for salvation as he is offered in the gospel. Mm -hmm. And so that means, you know, very often we'll talk about baptism as if it is a sign of our confession of faith in God. But according to Peter and Jesus and Paul uh, and Luke, fundamentally, baptism is a sign of God's promise to us rather than our confession of faith in God. Mm -hmm. So once you understand the function of covenant signs in the Old Testament, it helps you understand how both baptism and the Lord's Supper work in the New Testament. Think about the Lord's Supper. You know, there there have been some Christians, uh, or some Christian traditions, I might say, Mm -hmm. over the years, like Roman Catholicism, like Greek Orthodoxy, like the Church of Christ or Disciples of Christ movement, that have taught that sacraments have salvific power. You know, either that baptism regenerates or that the Lord's Supper actually communicates justifying uh, grace um, in, in the real presence of Christ in it. Well, interestingly, if we understand the Lord's Supper in light of the Bible's teaching on covenant signs, mm-hmm. the Lord's Supper does not bring about a reality that comes to us apart from God's Word it confirms to us a reality that comes to us through God's Word. Mm. So a sacrament confirms the Word of God. And once you know that, it makes the sacraments all the more meaningful to you in your observance of them and your enjoyment of them in the Christian life. And you realize again that God is giving this because my faith is weak and I need to be strengthened in my faith. Mm. And the sacraments are one of the ways that he strengthens our ability to trust his word to us. Sure. I think you talked about this a little bit uh, earlier, but can you talk a little bit too more about uh, the importance of covenant theology as it relates to reading and understanding our Bible as one whole whole message? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, um, covenant theology had that impact on me. Uh, I I think you all uh, mentioned to me in some previous correspondence my story about my own experience in Mm -hmm. seminary. I went to seminary and was a little bit suspicious of covenant theology, partly because I I didn't realize it, but I had been influenced by dispensationalism as a teenager, and I'd read a lot of dispensational literature. 
and uh, your your listeners may know what dispensationalism is. Mm-hmm. It's the kind of theology that you encounter in the Left Behind sure. books mm-hmm. uh, by Tim LaHaye and Jerry Jenkins. It's the kind of um, theology that, in my day, in my day, the, the the version of Left Behind that was out there was a book by a man named Hal Lindsey called oh, yeah. The Late Great Planet Earth. Mm-hmm. And uh, and and dispensationalism basically says the Bible. Uh, the, the history of the Bible, the history of salvation in the Bible, is revealed in a series of dispensations. Mm-hmm. And when Jesus came into the world, his purpose was to offer the kingdom to Israel. But Israel rejected this, rejected him as Messiah. And when that happened, God's original Old Testament prophetic plan to make Israel his kingdom and put David on the throne in Jerusalem forever mm-hmm. stopped. And then God started an interim plan with Gentiles to save them. That interim plan involved them coming into the church. And at the end of time, he'll rapture the church out of the world, and then he'll start up his original plan again for Israel. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I, I didn't know I didn't know a lot about that, but I had read a little bit of it. And um, and it was, you know, it was it was taught by a lot of people that had a fairly high view of Scripture and, uh, you know, believed in certain basic Christian doctrines that all of us on this call would agree in. Sure. Uh, and and so it influenced me. And so I was a little bit suspicious of covenant theology. But my professor, when, when he started his lectures on the first day, within 15 minutes, I realized, oh my, hmm. I have never read my Bible this richly hmm. before because I haven't seen the connection between the Old Testament and the New Testament. For so many Christians, the Old Testament is a shadowy, pre-Christian, sub-Christian book filled with weird stories. And yeah, it's got some high points like the Psalms and some other places, but it really is not connected to what Jesus did. Mm -hmm. Well, if you read Luke 24, Luke says the whole Hebrew Bible uh, is about Jesus. In fact, Jesus himself in Luke 24 twice says that the whole Hebrew Bible is about Jesus. Mm -hmm. And covenant theology shows you how that works. So for instance, you cannot get out of the first chapter of the Gospel of Luke before you have Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist, saying that the reason God had appointed John the Baptist, his son, to be a forerunner of the Messiah, who was going to turn out, of course, to be John the Baptist's cousin, Jesus, Mm -hmm. the reason that God had appointed him to be the forerunner of the Messiah was because God was fulfilling his promises to Abraham. Mm. Well, man, that changes everything with how you look at Jesus' ministry. Um, Luke is telling you that Jesus' ministry, his person and work as the Messiah, was the fulfillment of of the Abrahamic covenant. Mm. I mean, that's that's unbelievable. Sure. It changes everything. It's not it's not like the Old Testament is one story and the New Testament is another story, and they don't have anything to do with one another. Right. It is all a seamless whole of promise and fulfillment. Mm-hmm. And when you start seeing that, suddenly the whole Bible makes sense, mm. and and you're able to read the Bible with a greater depth of understanding and appreciation than you've ever been able to read it before. Right. So I, I and I find this with students, even seminary students who've been studying the Bible for years, come to seminary 
And when they study covenant theology, they feel like I'm reading my Bible for the first time mm. because I just missed all this stuff yeah. before. Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's so true. Having a having a bookstore here. Um, we have people come in once in a while. They'll ask for just you know the New Testament in English or Spanish, and and I that's fine. I understand you know where they're coming from in that regard, but I kind of have an allergy against that by the same token because yeah. I feel like the the entire Bible is so important. We need to have the the Old Testament in order for us to completely understand the New Testament, you know. And so I'll try Amen. to steer steer people towards having that entire. Uh, Bible because it really is one unified message. They're not they're not uh, contradictory or in, or in any way whatsoever. The Old Testament points yeah. to the New Testament. Yeah, and that's is, absolutely true. It's fulfilled in Christ. Yeah. All, all Scripture is profitable, right? It's all of it, not just the New Testament. It's all yeah. of it. All of it. Amen. So. Um, Dr. Duncan, is there any other points? Because I know we touched on these these four, but I know you might have had a fifth one or, or a sixth one um, in regards to yeah, the covenant I, theology. I, 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 there are lots. Of, I've, I've, I've enumerated these points in different ways at different times, and, and you could make a, a pretty long list, actually, if you wanted to. One thing that I've mentioned is that covenant theology helps you understand the dynamic of God's sovereignty and human responsibility and salvation. Mm-hmm. Uh, because God initiates the covenants, and he reaches out to us in election based sheerly on his love and grace. Mm-hmm. And yet, in the covenants, we have obligations to God. Mm-hmm. And so, just like in the New Testament, you know, Paul will say in Ephesians 2, 8 to 10, we're saved by grace, through faith, and that not of ourselves, it is the gift of God, lest anyone should boast. Uh, but it goes. he goes on to say, but we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Mm-hmm. So all of us have to figure out how grace and obedience, God's grace to us, and our obedience fit in the Christian life. Mm. Uh, people who teach salvation by works, or salvation by grace and works, We'll try and say, well, God's grace to us, plus our cooperation with him in obedience, saves us. And we want to say, no, 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 that is not what the Bible says. That's not how God's sovereignty and our responsibility go together in salvation. We're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, Mm -hmm. period. No no other addition. But Paul, just as much as James is concerned that we do good works. So where do good works fit in the Christian life? We're not saved by good works, we're saved by grace. But we are saved to good works, Mm. which is another way of saying everyone who is justified by grace alone through faith alone in Christ alone is also sanctified by God through the work of the Spirit so that we do good works. Mm-hmm. Right. Those good works do not justify us, right. but they are the work of God's Spirit in us so that we will become what God created us to be. And covenant theology just so helpfully gives us a framework to see how the Lord does that in both the Old and the New Testament. So sure. it's a super helpful thing 
for teaching the Christian life and being able to explain the relationship between grace and obedience, between faith and works, between resting on God's promises and then actively working out our salvation with fear and trembling, mm-hmm. uh, and not being either legalists or antinomians. Mm-hmm. And, you know, both right. of those things are challenges and problems in the Christian life. So covenant theology really helps in that area as well. Sure. Amen. Yeah, I can't help but think about Paul and keep regard of our, for our listeners who are unbelievers or really unfamiliar with the Bible. You're talking about a man who was dragging people out of their houses, both men and women, and throwing them into prison for being Christian, as well as casting his vote to for for Christians to to death. Uh, he was the he gave the approval for the uh, for the stoning of Stephen, and uh, and then when God, by His grace alone, saved him. And, and, and he opened his eyes, um, he completely did a 180. Mm. And as we know, and, and, and for our listeners to go ahead and study about it, but Paul was one of the greatest church missionaries ever. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was the one who was the catalyst to spreading the gospel uh, for, the, uh, for the Roman Empire, uh, into the Roman Empire and, and all throughout Judea and spreading the gospel. And not for one moment did he ever give credit to himself, but it was the grace of God. So he was saved two good works, and right. I can't, I can't help but read First uh, Corinthians fifteen ten. But he says, "But uh, whatever I am now, it is all because of God poured out His special favor on me, and not without results. For I have worked harder than any of the other apostles. Yet it is not I, but God who work, who was working through me by His grace. So it makes no difference whether I preach or they preach, for we all preach the same message. You have already believed." And so it's just kind of going off of what Dr. Duncan was talking about, how, you know, there's that um, tension, I guess, between uh, human responsibility and God's free will, but we are saved into good works. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, Dr. Duncan, uh, Romans uh, 10, 17 says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Uh, Before we end the program today, uh, would you want to share the gospel with our audience? Absolutely. Uh, God created humans for his glory and to commune with him forever. And this is recorded for us in Genesis 1 and 2. But in Genesis 3, uh, the first humans, Adam and Eve, chose to worship themselves and their own desires rather than God. They thought that there was something in this world better than God, and so they rebelled against him. And instead of making life better for them, it actually plunged them and all of us into a world filled with sinfulness, with sinfulness and self-destructiveness and, and destructiveness of other people and tragedy and problems and trials. Now, God would, God would have been perfectly just to just eradicate humanity at that point. But we know that from before the foundation of the world that he had actually set his love on us, even as sinners, and set into motion a plan whereby he would pay the penalty for our sins so that we could come back into fellowship with him and enjoy him forever. And the way that he did that, the only way it could be done, the only way his justice, his righteousness could be satisfied is if his own beloved son, Jesus Christ, were to come in our flesh and blood and live among us and then die in our place as a substitute, as a sacrifice for our sins. And 
that having died for us in order to bear the punishment for the sin that we uh, for the sins that we have committed and the condemnation that we deserve as we trust on him as god's sacrifice and provision for salvation as he is offered in the gospel as we put our belief in him we believe that he is the son of god and savior of sinners and as we receive and rest on him alone for salvation as he is offered in the gospel god pardons our sins he forgives us he welcomes us he not only declares us not guilty he adopts us as his children and then he sets about to make us back into the people that he originally uh, planned for us to be. He wants us to rule this world in righteousness. He wants us to love him more than anything else. And so he is working now in the language of Paul in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 19, to make us into all the fullness of God, what he originally intended us to be in the very image of of God. And one day he will complete this work at the second coming of Jesus Christ, and we will reign with him forever and ever. And so I, I would just exhort anybody listening today to our conversation to give attention to this gospel of salvation, which is unfolded very clearly and beautifully in God's word, and respond in faith and repentance. Repent of your sin, trust in Christ as he's offered in the gospel, and you'll find that all of God's covenant promises are yours. Mm. Wow, thank you, Dr. Duncan, for that. I really do like when our guests just share the gospel. The message is the same, but it just comes from different angles and different ways. Right, right. And, absolutely. And, 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 and you so. never know how the Spirit's going to work yes. in that situation to yeah. reach somebody for him. So Yes, right, thank right. you. Right. Amen, Dr. Duncan. Um, where can our listeners find you, especially the RTS app? And if you would also recommend some books for those who really want to dive a little bit deeper into covenant theology. Uh, you can get to me in a couple of places. You can go to the Reformed Theological Seminary website at rts.edu um, and go to the Chancellor's page, and there are lots of resources there. You can go to ligonduncan.com. Uh, so my name, L-I-G-O-N-D-U-N-C-A-N, ligonduncan.com. And uh, a lot of my resources are available there, sermons, talks, lectures, etc. And then you can also go to the First Presbyterian Church Jackson website, uh, fpcjackson.org, and there are about 17 years' worth of sermons in wow. the... Uh, sermon library there, and they're both in audio and in transcription, so you can listen to them or read them or both. And uh, so all three of those places are places where you can get to material that I give. The other thing I would mention is the Reformed Theological Seminary app is free, yes. and all of its contents are free. So if you have a, uh, if you have a, an, an Apple phone or a Google phone or an Android or you know any kind of any kind of phone. We have an app that you can download for free. You can listen to over 40 courses, entire courses, seminary courses, for free. 
all the chapel messages throughout our institution, etc. Millions of people have downloaded the material through the RTS mobile app, and yes. we, we just provide that free of service mm. because we want to ed- edify pastors, church leaders, Christians, and even non-believers. We want to be able to hear excellent teaching from a biblical perspective. Mm. So those four places are places that you can get uh, resources that uh, I provide and that my colleagues provide through RTS. With regard to the books to read, uh, there is a little book that was published by Great Commission Publications by Palmer Robertson. I mentioned him as my professor in seminary. O. Palmer Robertson. O. The letter O is his okay. first initial. O. Palmer Robertson. And it's called Covenants, plural, Covenants, God's Way with His People. And it's a simplified version of his more academic book called Christ of the Covenants. Mm. And so if you're, if you're, say, a Sunday school teacher or a Christian discipler and you're wanting a good 13-week Bible study uh, mm. on the covenants of the Bible, man, that is your resource. It All is right. so very, very helpful. That's great. And uh, then uh, I would just say if you go to the RTS site and you, or to the RTS app, and you listen to my Covenant Theology lectures, yes. my syllabus has a complete listing of recommended books on Covenant Theology that students could read and learn from. Awesome. Yes, I can't I can't uh, stress enough for our listeners to go download the RTS app. It's been such a huge blessing, uh, especially Dr. Michael J. Kruger's lecture on canon. Yeah. Uh, we're actually going to be having him in October. He's coming on. And, uh, man, I just highly recommend just to download it and, and definitely go listen to Dr. Duncan's uh, lectures. Uh, just excellent resource. And I just say this again. Um, we literally have so much resources oh, as Christians yeah. at the tip of our fingers, yeah, yeah. and not a lot yeah. of us realize it. Yeah. And just for RTS to be so uh, graceful and yeah. willing to share this resource yeah. with us, uh, don't take it for granted. No. Download it. There's it's amazing so, material. Yeah, just so great. Just amazing stuff. Dr. John Frame's on there, too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, yeah he is. Yeah, that's pretty awesome, even for the layperson who just wants to know more. You don't have to be a Absolutely. pastor. You, you got these resources available for you. Right, correct, correct. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Duncan. We we thank you so much for taking the time out of your day for, for coming on. Absolutely. Uh, we would love to have you back to talk about another topic as well. All I'd right, love let- to do that. Great. Uh, all right, ladies and gentlemen, um, that's the end of our podcast today. If uh, if you would like to support us, um, you could visit us at www.bridgebookstexas.org. Hit the uh, or go to the about slash giving page, and you can find more information about us. Uh, any form of donation or support really helps us do what we do here, which is yeah. uh, uh, teach Bible studies, uh, give even people who are across the border who speak Spanish uh, uh, biblical reformed resources. Yeah. Uh, we have we had one pastor who just speaks nothing but Spanish, by the way, mm-hmm. and uh, he comes across here, gets some Nicot commentaries, and brings them across uh, back with him, and has someone translate it for him. Him in, in into Spanish so he could pastor his congregation. He comes here probably once a month yeah. and gets a lot of uh, English resources. Wow. And uh, then he'll do, he'll Google translate it yeah. or he'll get somebody to help him translate. <laughs> it's just amazing dedication. That yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Fascinating. And so, yeah, this is what we do here. We provide uh, uh, our community and, and also through this podcast just um, an excellent resources. And our, our whole aim and mission here is to uh, equip and disciple uh, Christians for, for ministry. 
and for the proclamation of the, the Great Commission and the Gospel. Yep, so, yep. Um, anyway, guys, we'll see you next week. And as always, what is your comfort in life and in death? That I am not my own, but belong body and soul and life and death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. And stay tuned for the Amen. next podcast. Thank you. Later.